Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Journey to Success Radio Network. I'm your host, Taylor Tagg, and we have a very special guest with us today. We are going to be talking to Lou Adler, and Lou is the CEO and founder of the Adler Group, a training and search firm helping companies implement performance-based hiring. And Mr. Adler is the author of the Amazon Top 10 Bestseller, Hire With Your Head. And his most recent book has just been published, The Essential Guide for Hiring and Getting Hired. He's also the author of the award-winning Nightingale Conant audio program, Talent Rules, Using Performance-Based Hiring to Build Great Teams. I'm such a fan of Nightingale Conant. Mr. Adler also holds an MBA from the University of California in Los Angeles and a BS in Mechanical Engineering from Clarkson University in New York. So, Mr. Adler, uh, welcome to the program today. How are you? I'm doing great, Taylor. Thank you very much for inviting me. Well, it's great to have you on the program on Journey to Success. And we want to talk, you know, about your, your company and how you help people, and especially in, within the hiring process. And one of the you know, things we've talked about recently is talking about what's called the hiring superfecta and getting to the queue. Can you tell us exactly what all that's about? Well, I can probably describe it in some, to some degree. The idea is that there is a state unusual state and not easy to achieve where you have a hired a great person who's excited about the work and is perfect fit for the work. You predicted the candidate's performance during the interview that he or she would excel at it and the person it happened that way, which is pretty rare, uh, all three of those conditions. Great job, great person, and accurate prediction. In addition, the time to hire that person was reasonably low. And the cost was fair, or as low as you would expect. So it's a state; it's an optimum state where, hey, we've hired a great person, the right time, the right cost, and the interview was accurate. And hey, and I, quite frankly, don't think it's that hard to achieve. So that's the idea. I call that the hiring superfecta, state of Q. Uh, what's interesting, people, oh, that's impossible. And well, it's not really impossible. Every time you promote someone, you open a job, and a week later, you promoted the. Uh, your person to director who was a manager and a person you knew the person was good, they're great, you got them right there. Uh, so we actually do it all the time. Whenever you promote someone, that condition exists. At least you promote the person for performance reasons, not political reasons. However, when we go to the outside, we change all the rules. We don't look at that. We said, okay, we need people with 10 years experience and all these skills and all this. So the idea that I have is that, hey, if you look at how you promote people internally and achieve that state of cue, there's no reason why you can't use those same concepts to hire people externally. And that's the whole concept behind it. And that's what's behind performance-based hiring as well. Let's focus on performance and ability to do the work in the context of the work, not on these traits and skills that are indirect measures of performance. So that's the basic concept. Well, if, you know, if, I'm, a, if I'm a hiring manager, I've got a company and I want to you know, hire good employees and keep them around, you know, what are some of the key ingredients that I need to think about as far as is when I look at these employees and, and hire them, you know, what are some of the really key ingredients that I need to focus on to be able to, 
hire a good employee and keep them around. Well, the key is you got to throw away job descriptions. You do that, you're in the game. Forget anything the person needs to have on his or her background. Who cares about skills? Who cares about experience? Who cares about degrees? Who cares about personality? Quite frankly, that's not a job description. And yet 99% of job descriptions are written that way, a whole list of personal attributes and experiences. When you think about that, that's not a job description. That's a person description. So people make a fundamental mistake by, hey, we're looking to fill this job and we define a person. What I say is, let's put that in the parking lot. Let's define the work itself. The work is a series of performance objectives. Build a team, uh, conduct an analysis, design a circuit, uh, launch a new product. People do stuff. And now you want to hire people who can do that work. So focus on the work that needs to be done before the person doing the work. And the idea is don't compromise on the work that needs to be done. Find someone who's both competent and motivated to do that work. And if you can prove that they're competent and motivated, you'll discover that they have the exact experiences required, the exact education required, the exact personality and traits required. The work determines all the skills experiences. The skills and experience don't determine that the person will be successful in the work. And that fundamental logic is what's missing in 99% of all hires and why so many people make hiring mistakes. So that's the first thing to do is rewrite your job descriptions to define the job, not the person doing the job. And that's, I guess, would speak to some of the old school hiring methods, which end up delivering poor and unpredictable results. So I don't think they're all the way people do every day. Uh, they did it 40 years ago, did it 30 years ago, did it 20 years ago, did it last week, and did it today. People are doing that all the time. And they wonder, and they, then they get all these new tools and all these new, oh, this is going to solve the problem. Well, it doesn't solve the problem because the root cause of the problem is you got bad job descriptions and you're looking for the wrong things. So now I go back, I said earlier, the state of cue is when you hire someone internally or promote someone internally, they don't have the skills and experience. They got promoted and they're still successful. How could that possibly be? When we hire people internally or promote them internally, we focus on their past performance doing comparable work. And yeah, there's a stretch factor there, but if they're competent and can learn, they'll deliver. When we go to the outside, we change those same rules, which we know work. We focus on their skills. Oh, I've got to have 10 years experience. However, the person you promoted only had four years experience and was phenomenal. So focus on performance, not the skills. And if a person can perform, they'll have the skills. And the best people tend to have less skills and less experience, but they're, they have the ability to learn, grow, and develop faster than others. And that's the part, and you miss that part when you focus on skills-based job descriptions. Let's talk a little bit more about that performance-based you know, job and, and performance-based hiring, to be exact and how that it's turning the traditional hiring practices around on its head. Well, that's the idea. Is my fundamental belief is that if you want to hire a great person, and everybody wants to hire a great person, but if you want to hire a great person, most likely the person's already working, you'll have to offer that person a great job. And that person... So I call a person up and I say, this person is a senior director. He might, this person might like to be a VP. Or this woman might be a product manager. She might like to be a senior product manager. But if she's working at all, if this guy, the person is not open, you can't just offer this traditional job and say, hey, would you, be, would you like to chat? Here's our job, must have, must have, must have. So the whole concept is if you want to have a great person, you have to start with a great job. And the process is one of, I'll call it related to consultative selling. I've got to talk to this person. I've got to find out what makes them happy, what they're missing in their career, and determine if my job can 
uh, offer a better career opportunity for them. Well, that takes time and takes discussion, takes understanding by the hiring manager and the recruiter and the interviewers to recognize that, hey, here's a person whom we don't know. We have to spend time in nurturing that person to see if this job makes sense. When you think about networking and how people hire people from the outside, they don't do it uh, offering, hey, here's a job with these skills. Are you ready to change jobs? Uh, most, in that, the best people aren't ready to change jobs. Many of the best people will be open to chat about it in a slow, logical discussion approach. So it's not only a great job defining the work that needs to be done, it's also a process that allows a person to, to understand what this career opportunity might be about and understand the people involved. So it's a slower process, but it results in better people. But the idea when I said the hiring super effect, I said you can do it in the same amount of time. It's because you're going to work, you're going to spend more time with fewer people. Most companies are focusing more on weeding out weak people and finding someone who's got all the skills and is ready to change jobs. Well, there aren't many top people who have all the skills and ready to change jobs. And yet that's what people are trying to hire in a transactional mode. Let's find people who are ready to change jobs for our salary and ready to have all the skills. Well, there aren't a lot of top people to do that. So my focus is no, let's focus on real jobs, real careers, and go slow. Spend more time with fewer people. So from the time you open the job to the time you fill it, it's exactly the same. It's going to be three to five weeks. And if you've built your network up ahead of time, you can do it in weeks as opposed to months. So that's the basic concept of performance-based hire. Yeah, and I more think time with fewer people, with fewer high-quality people. Speak a little bit more to that, if you would, Lou, because I know you know for many companies, you know, people were more stretched now than ever before in their jobs. It's more about let's get new people in now. Let's fill the jobs now. We have this work now. And you're saying take more time, be more methodical with the process, make sure you're getting the right kind of person that necessarily doesn't have the, 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 the skill set, but that's going to be a good fit for your company. So how do I do that if I'm, a, if, I'm a, if I'm a manager that needs to fill five jobs right now? How do I take the time and, and, and make sure that I'm getting more of the it right is. person? Now is, you know, whatever day it is. I don't know when you're going to record this show or show it. But today end of September 2016. You want to hire a person, and even in a practical standpoint, you want to hire a decent person, and you'd hope the person would be ready in four to five weeks, which is pretty typical. What I'm saying is spend more time with fewer people. Most people, I'm still going to hire the person on, on November 1st. I'm just going to pre-identify 15 or 20 people who I think would see this as a job. I don't need hundreds. I just need a few, and i got to contact these people and nurture them. So the time invested is more time with fewer people, but the end time from the moment I open the job till I fill it is exactly the same. Now, from a practical standpoint, if a manager tells me he needs to hire, she needs to hire five people today, I'd say, give me a break here. You knew four months ago you were going to hire five people today. So four months ago, we should have started looking. And that's this idea of workforce planning. Okay, I'm going to hire 10 people next quarter. Fine. I'll start looking today for the people next quarter. Okay, what about Q1 of 2017? Let's start. How many people are you going to hire? You got a budget, you got a forecast, you got a plan together. Let's just figure out how many people you need to hire. Now, my first, my first job, or one of my first jobs, was a financial analyst for a big automotive manufacturing company. We budgeted for three years how many people we were going to hire. I knew how many, exactly how many people in 1972 or 73, how many people that division was going to hire. 16 engineers, 40 exempt, 49 exempt, three people in the scheduling department. It was budgeted. We started looking at that time. It wasn't Robinson Finance then. So this idea of workforce planning 
is so logical, and yet, so we write bad jobs. We hope we find an active person who has all those skills, and we're desperate for time, and uh, we didn't even know about it. And quite frankly, you did know you were going to hire these people. It was in your budget. You just didn't think about it. Now, then I asked hiring managers who make that excuse, I've got to hire five people. I said, give me a break here. How much time do you spend with people who are below average on the job? you got 10 people in your department, two great people, three average people, and four below average people. Who do you spend most of your time with? With my below average people. So you're spending hours and hours and hours of time making your below average people become average, and you're ignoring your average people who become great, and you're ignoring your great people so they get disappointed because they never spend any time with you. We got it backwards. Do some workforce planning. Define the work you want done. Uh, start understanding, hey, how we promote people based on performance and how we drive personal satisfaction. If you hire some great people, you won't have to spend any time with them or very little time just giving them general direction once they're hired. So when people look at time, they got to look at it in the whole context from when you knew this job was going to be available three to six months ago. Start then and write the work, and then you, you'll discover you'll hire people exactly when you need them. It's called just-in-time hiring, just like just-in-time interviewing. Not any different. I think people would love to, love to to hear more about just in time hiring. I think, I think that's that actually going to be an article I'm going to write because I hadn't said before. <laughs> that sounds wonderful. So, how can companies, you know, begin to use more of this performance based hiring? You know, obviously to get top level talent in there, but then again, improve on job success overall, and then also be able to reduce the turnover. Well, again, the turnover is issue. If you, if you ask people. Why they underperform. Good people who under, let's assume you have all the skills. Good people underperform for, I'm going to say, two primary reasons. There's probably seven reasons, but 80% is I don't like my boss. That's one of them. The boss and the uh, new hire don't get along too well. And part of the reason, that's a, and maybe that's a part, I don't know what the 80% what it is. The other part is that's not the job you hired me for. You ask a candidate, What's, you know, before he or she takes the job, I said, can you tell me what the job is? This is Monday morning, the day they start. You know, they're going to start. You've got to show up at 8.30, but you're talking about 8.15. What's this job you're taking? Well, I think it's this, this, and that. And at 8.30 or at the end of the day, oh, that's not the job. So, number one, if you don't know, if you hire people and you haven't defined the work, what's the likelihood the person to be motivated to do that work? What I do is I force managers, tell me what this person needs to do. What are they going to spend most of their time doing? And then when I interview a candidate, I'm looking for, hey, this is where you're going to spend most of your time doing. Oh, I love to do that work. That's what I want to find is people who are both competent and motivated to do the work. And if you don't define the work ahead of time, the likelihood you're going to hire a good person is remote. And that to me is now. Part of that is, hey, can you and the hiring manager, can the hiring manager and the new hire get along? Do they have the right style? Some managers are micromanagers, some managers are delegators, some are coaches, some are hands-off. Well, that candidate better be able to deal with that. So a lot of people are looking for the wrong things when they hire people. That goes back to why I think skills-based job description at the core of all of this is the fundamental problem. If you're looking for skills, not performance, the likelihood you're going to find a good person is probably 10 to 15%, particularly if you're trying to hurry it through and find an active candidate who's motivated to do that work. Managers aren't looking for motivation. They're looking for people who can take the job and seem reasonably good and they have a good interview. And they're judging interviewing uh, motivation to get the job is motivation to do the job, and they're totally different. I need a job. Yeah, I'm going to be motivated. I'll do that. Yes, Tyler, I'll do that work. Yeah, well, I didn't tell me that was the work. 
So that's the idea is if you don't know what you're looking for up front, the likelihood of getting it at the end is remote. And I've been doing this for 30, 40 years, and not much has changed, even with the new tools, Taylor. So. <laughs> well, tell me a little bit about some of the maybe statistics you've seen with performance-based hiring as far as being able to you know, uh, retain employees, to keep them happy, to keep them moving forward, and, and, and keep promoting them and moving, moving them within the company. You know, what are some of the successes and statistics of performance-based hiring versus the old methods? Well, I'll say it's not the, it's the current method. It's the way most people do it. So uh, I can go one client from 20 years ago. Had a manufacturing company, and he was a CEO, and I remember going in there. Uh, he was a really sharp guy. I became a ultimate friend, and I walked in there, and he had this job description, all this list of skills and responsibilities, and his whole management team was around the room. And I was a recruiter, and I remember uh, there was a couple of other recruiters in the hallway waiting. So I went in knowing that I had competition to get this search assignment, a retained executive recruiter, and he had this job description for a VP of marketing. And I looked at it and had all this, 10 years of this, an MBA from here, this kind of experience. And I, and I said to the guy, I said this to the company, I said, this is not a job description, this is a person description. And I don't know why I did this. And maybe it was just for show because I had to demonstrate. I only had a half hour to make my point. I took it in my hand and I threw it in the wastebasket. I said, this is a waste of time. If you want to hire a good person, you have to define what the work is. And we define the work as a series of performance objectives. Put together a three-year product plan. Build a team of two product, uh, two product marketing people. Conduct a competitive analysis in six months showing this, this, and that. It was a series of five or six objectives. And I said, I can find someone who can do this work. Those other two recruiters outside can probably find someone who has all the skills. Who do you want to hire? Someone who's got all the skills or someone who can do the work? Everybody said someone who can do the work. And this is like 45 minutes. Then president said to his secretary, said, tell the other two people we've just hired a recruiter, which was me. The other, and he didn't even need to see him. Now, more important, though, five years later, in my first book, the one you mentioned earlier, Taylor, the president said, and he put, a, he put it in the book because I had that story, same story in the book or similar. I don't remember it exactly. Uh, he said, Lou, uh, I've hired 17 people using your process in the five years since you came into my office. He said, once I took a shortcut, that person lasted 90 days. The other people are still with me. And that's what happens. When you, it's, what I'm talking about is not rocket science. It's logical. You promote people based on their performance. Why don't you hire people based on their performance? Skills-based job descriptions don't define the job. They define the person doing the job. Skills don't determine success. If some success is the independent variable here, hey, this is what we need done. Find people who can do it. And if you can find people who can do the work, they have exactly the skills. I don't care if they're old or young. I don't care if they're black or white, green or yellow, military vet or not. If they're motivated and competent to do the work, they deserve this job. And the number one labor attorney in the world David uh, Goldstein from Littler Medicine and said that is objective criteria, and he endorses it fully. The number one labor attorney said if more companies did that, they'd never have hiring problems. That's a story. That's probably five stories there, Taylor, but probably enough to cover it. Well, absolutely, yes. And I, and I guess, you know, too, from, from my own perspective here, you know, how is the performance-based hiring process having an effect on employee engagement? Because we know that, you know, over up to the statistics say up to 70% are totally disengaged in the workplace. And how is this performance-based hiring process uh, 
able to combat. I think if, again, if you go back to why the Gallup, which is the Gallup study of 70% disengages, because they didn't know what the job was when they took it. So for new hires, it's probably about the same. The Gallup statistic is existing hires. But the problem is, is if a person isn't motivated to do the work. So that a lot of the stuff that I do is by clarifying, and I want to make two statements here. The reason I clarify the work is to, is so I know what I'm looking for as a recruiter. When I'm assessing person, I want people who are both competent, and I'll even say, and motivated to do that work. And in the context of the work itself, and the environment, the culture, the manager. So if they're not motivated, so you could very well be competent to do the work, but if you're not motivated to do it, what does it matter? And I think that's the key. I would rather, so when I look, when, during my interviewing process, I look for, hey, Tara, when did you get, where did you go the extra mile on that last job? Which is, you know, when you were in a state of flow or really excited, what kind of work did you like to do? So as I dig deep into the person's background, I find what kind of work excited this person to go the extra mile, where they got, where they excelled at and they enjoyed it, where they, uh, and you start asking these questions constantly for different jobs, and all of a sudden you see this pattern emerging. The type of manager, the type of work, the circumstances, and says, hey, I think this job could be pretty interesting because you're going to be doing some of that work. So what I do, and so this is kind of like I, when I call a candidate up, I said, for this job to be a career move, it's got to give you a 30% non-monetary increase. And they said, well, that sounds pretty good. What does that mean? I said, well, forget it. It's not the money. The job has got to offer stretch, some combination to get you 30% over where you're going today. That could be job stretch, meaning a bigger job, more people, bigger budget. It could be job growth. Hey, we're growing faster. It could be mix of work you're doing is more satisfying. And the importance of the work is greater than what you're doing today. And it's going to take time to figure that out. But that's what I tell people. This is what the work is. Well, if I don't know the work, I can't make that pitch. But then towards the end of the process, when I talk to a candidate, now it's, I'm gonna, the candidate's getting me to get an offer. I ask, I tell the candidate, well, let's put the money in the parking lot. Forget the money. If, and I ask, do you really want this job? Because if you don't really want the job, let's not go forward. And most people take the job for the money. But what I do is I say, forget the money. Do you want this job? And I want the candidate, tell me why do you want this job? And if the candidate can't define the stretch, can't define the growth, can't define the mix, can't define the impact, it's going to be a bad hire. And that drives satisfaction. When I, and I was the first contingency search firm in the world in 1981 to give a one-year guarantee. About 10 years later, we became retained executive search, but neither here nor there. We still did the same process. In 1,500 placements, we gave a one-year guarantee, and only 5% of those people left in the first year. And it's not to say that they're all great people, but very few left because we, did, we matched the work itself with their motivation to do the work. And if you do that, you'll find people who – are excited about the job. The reason, so we, we just look at all those variables that cause dissatisfaction and we map them. And let me just say, I didn't do it because I was trying to be altruistic and all this understanding of human nature. I did it because I didn't want to do the search over again. But in the process, we discovered that, hey, this is what really drives on the job satisfaction and motivation is mapping the work to the candidate's not only ability, but internal motivators. So for our listeners here who are sitting here saying, oh, uh, Lou, you just blew my mind. I actually I need people who are, are more motivated and able to do the work in my company. Where can I go to learn more about you and read more about these statistics? Well, if you go to louadlergroup.com, you'll see and go to the resource page. You'll see everything. We give samples of all the stuff we do. 
you want LouAdler.com, you can also go to the training and see how we train hiring managers and how we train recruiters to do it. You buy the book, The Essential Guide for Hiring and Getting Hired, you'll get a glimpse of how to do it. You go to Lynda.com, performance-based hiring, you'll get an hour course on how to do it. But quite frankly, it's all a waste of time. It's a waste of time unless you take all of those ideas and make it part of your hiring system and management system. Training is traditionally not very effective. It's not very effective if people don't do it. So you've got to, the CEO of the company is going to say, okay, we're only going to write performance-based job descriptions defining the work. We are going to interview people using this interview process. We are going to use evidence to assess this person. We are going to uh, close the deal on a 30% non-monetary increase. Well, if you do all the things and you systematize them, you'll actually get the results you have. So they can learn all about it on louather.com. And the training is easy. You know, you can do the training in a half, and you get the concepts. Implementing it every single day is hard. But you talk to this guy who hired 17 people, his company went from $100 million to about $500 million in those four years. I'm not saying I had anything to do with it. He was a great president, sharp guy, but he also knew how to hire people. Uh, and that's really the issue. It does work if you follow the rules, but you've got to change people's behavior and you've got to systematize these concepts. They're not rocket science. They're, I mean, anybody looking at it, that's pretty common sense. But you've got to do the common sense. Implementing common sense requires systemization and integration. Uh, and that's really the key on how to pull it off. And it's, while it's hard work, it's not as hard as managing people you shouldn't have hired to begin with, and it's not as hard as uh, making a factory produce Six Sigma, but it's uh, but harnessing and channeling human nature to all do the right thing the right time all the time, that's what's hard. But you can, it can be done. It can be systematized. So besides going to the website, learning more about the, the, the processes, the hiring processes, and reading more information about it, getting a copy of the book, now, what do you have, maybe just general advice for our listeners who say, what's my first step here? How can I just improve my hiring process and get more support from my leadership so I can, so I can really make my team uh, a better team? Yeah, I think that's a great way. What I just said, implement it. You can't implement it company-wide on day one. Some manager who gets it and says, I want to hire good people, should get the book, you know, $10 or $15, Kindle version is less than that, so it's not a big investment. But doing it is just do it, hire one great person. Invest the time necessary to hire one great person. Then get some other manager to hire another person and a few people to hire people. Now you have a case study to make the ROI comparison of what it takes. So you got to have these case studies and pilots. We do that a lot with companies. We just pilot it. I said, let's just do it once. Let's not do it all. We do it. You just can't do it. you got to just prove it out, and then you kind of continue some improvements. Okay, let's, now let's do it this way. Now let's add it to this. Now let's in, integrate it with our data systems or HRIS systems or ATS systems. So it does require this evolutionary approach to implement it one hire at a time. And after you do it a couple of times and people get it, oh, we've actually taken it. Uh, and so that's actually the way you implement it. So, one, one hire at a time, and then one manager at a time, one department, and then you kind of make it company-wide. And again, you can read more about the process in Lou's book, The Essential Guide for Hiring and Getting Hired, which is a phenomenal book. So, Lou, as we kind of wrap up this interview here, you know, tell me, you know, what is, what is it about hiring process that gets you so passionate and excited about putting good people in good jobs? What is it that drives you? You know, to be successful in that way? 
Yeah, so that's a good question. That's probably one I haven't been answered because I could see I am excited about this. And I'm not a young guy. I've been doing this for a lot of years. Um, I guess I, my background is manufacturing. Uh, my first job was uh, working on ballistic missiles and um, missile guidance systems. Uh, and I do see this as a manufacturing process. So I have this innate urge, as I said, I just cannot believe that people spent billions of dollars and haven't improved at all. So I still have that as my goal. As I said, I actually think this can work. And in isolated instances, like a mid-sized company like this fellow I told you about, uh, the company was $100 million at the time, but we work with small to medium-sized companies. work with a few big companies who certain divisions get it. Uh, but that excites me. I say, hey, this is a challenge. This seems to be something. You look at all the Six Sigma processing, all the stuff we've done in the last 20, 30 years. Uh, I mean, literally, we were... I was using ballistic system computers that didn't have one-tenth or one-twentieth the horsepower of an iPhone, and yet we could hit targets, and yet you look at HR, and they're still saying the same stuff, and they're just repackaging it. So I still I believe this is one of the unfilled promises. Look at how much effort and uh, human capital we're wasting the way we do it. I mean, you just look at all these things, and you just wonder. I said, yeah, that's kind of a big goal. So at some level, I'm excited about it. At some level, I'm cynical. It's, People ask me, do you think it's going to change? I said, I don't think so. Uh, but I'm still excited about trying, and it keeps me going. So I don't know if that's a true – I mean, that's a true answer. I don't know if it was the right answer or what you were looking for, but it's what keeps me going. I still feel that there's a way to pull this off. Or I actually have pulled it off, so uh, I still try to, try to keep going that way. Yeah, and I think people appreciate honesty and uh, looking for your first just a better way. And this seems to be uh, – a better way that's, that's solidified in research, is solidified in, in results. Yeah, I think so. It's hard work. I mean, it's not easy. And as one person said, I say it's common sense. He said, no, it makes sense. It's not common. Uh, but it is both common sense and makes sense, and people just have to desire to do it. But I think more people at the end of the day just want to hire someone and get a job, and I think that's the key issue. Hey, let's hire the right people for the right jobs, and all of a sudden uh, every company can become competitive again. Beautiful. To me, that's a, one way to truly maximize uh, global or certainly national productivity. Excellent. And again, you can find out more about the Lou Adler Group by going to louadlergroup.com. That's L-O-U-A-D-L-E-R-G-R-O-U-P, louadlergroup.com. And Lou, I want to uh, really thank you for joining me on Journey to Success today, and, and thank you for coming on our program. Happy to do it, and hopefully this was helpful to a few people. I hope oh, everyone can use this advice and hire better people. And I think both both you and the new hire will be very happy if you pull that off. So thank you very much, Teller. Well, thank you again. And you are listening to the Journey to Success Radio Network. You can learn more about us by going to journeytosuccessradio.com. And we'll see you soon for our next amazing success story. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email Tom at tomtutall.com for details.